Hey guys, hope everybody's doing good. I'm just frying up some bacon, which is pretty much what I do every day. Um, usually lunch is some poached eggs, and some toast, and some fried bacon. Um, and that's pretty standard. Um, I am... Like it, it's interesting. I am going to try to lose a little bit of weight, um, which I know can be like a, a touchy enough subject in running, um, but and it's also risky. But the way I see it is like I was on a run with my buddy Noel, um, and and we happened to be discuss we discussing a number of things, and one of the one of the things that came up was actually weight. And like to be to be truthfully honest, if if you're gonna win a medal at a global championship, um, probably European champs, probably world champs, Commonwealth, etc., etc. There's a there's a stat that exists, and it goes through um, the top. I think it's the top 100 like performances in the marathon that year or something or. Um, and you know it used to be or it could be overall and it used to be like you know the average height was like I don't know five I do know I don't know what I'm saying I don't know I think it was like five foot four or sorry five foot eight and 132 pounds which anybody that deals with um, stone that is exactly nine nine stone nine and a bit no, nine and a half, maybe. 140 is 10 stone. So if it's 132, let's just say nine and a half. Fuck me, nine and a half stone. Like, like I'm, I'm 11 stone, which, Jesus. Nine and a half stone. This was about the year 2004, I want to say. Um, and then they did a follow-up study in, like, 2012, I think it was. Um, and the maths changed a lot. All of a sudden, the average height and weight went down to like five foot four, um, and I think the weight went down to 126. I want to say, uh, or maybe even like 124. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of irrelevant whether it was 26 or 24. Um, now then you're going down closer to nine stone. Now of course. The the reason for this massive shift is a lot of East Africans, Ethiopian and Kenyan, for example. Um, you know, like I, I'm, I'm told Kipchoge weighs 118 pounds. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to confuse you with pounds, but it's it's about eight and a half stone, I believe. 118. Um, and I don't even know what height he is, maybe like five foot six, five foot seven, something like that. Probably like five five, five six, something like that. Um hundred and eighteen pounds. Let's do it simply. Ten stone is hundred and forty, so take away twenty-two. Um six pounds. It's eight and a half stone, and it's actually on the lighter side of eight and a half stone. You know that that's you know, that's incredible. That's a fucking stat right there. Um I'm I'm I think Mo Farah again was similar for the likes of the double olympic gold um so 
I'm having this conversation, and, and I'm, it, it's going to like, it's kind of the reason for the podcast, but kind of not, because I want to talk about something else too. But, you know, I, I, I do think it's a professional responsibility. It might be obsessive, it might be addictive, it might be risky. Um, but I am going to try to lose weight. I'm not going to try to lose, um, what, what would I be, 30, 50, I'm 30, I think at the minute I'm 36 pounds heavier than what Kipchoge would be. I'm not going to try to lose 36 pounds. I think that would be probably not possible in a million years and very, very detrimental. Um, but maybe I'll try to lose like 10. And um, if I could be like, I think instead of being like, I think I'm 69 kilograms. If I could be 65, I think that would be really useful. That would be about 8 pounds, 8 to 10 pounds. Um, and the reason this conversation came about is because I was talking to my buddy Noel. And what I was saying was I think most people would rather train a little bit more so that they could eat a little bit more rather than train less and eat less. Um, you know, so it means for dinner I've been having like, now this has only lasted two days. So before people worry, <laughs> I'm only two days in. <laughs> um, but basically what I've been doing um, is for dinner, I've just simplified dinner quite a lot. Oh, looks like my toes were bleeding on my run this morning. Sorry to disturb you with that. I did cut my toenails before I ran and there's blood. Sorry, that's gross. Um, yeah, look, I'm two days in. Um, nothing major drastic happened here. But all I do is for dinner is I just simplify it. I just have like maybe some steak with like rice and veg. And I don't do anything fancy with it. No sauces, no nothing. Um, and then I have just a little bit less carbohydrates. So like for lunch, even though lunch right now I'm having toast, which is carbs. Like if I eat again, because I, I, for breakfast I only had a little breakfast biscuit. And then if I eat again, it'll probably be like fruit. So that tends to be what I do. Like maybe have an omelet and then a lot of fruit, infinite amount of fruit, as much as I want. Fruit and veg, infinite. Um, even the likes of protein, kind of infinite. If, you know, if I fancy some eggs or, or an omelet, like with vegetables and, and like maybe like salmon, that kind of stuff is infinite. Um but it, it really is lowering carbs, lowering sugar, lowering chocolate, things like this. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, the conversation was, I'd, like, it's probably, like, I'd much rather just train heaps more. But the risk with training heaps more is, you know, you you just get hurt or, you know, you get tired. or um, And I, I remember I talked about this, like, four weeks ago when I started the easy week. It's really tough on an easy week because you do have to eat less and you can eat actually as much as you want, but, you know, don't expect to not gain weight at the end of that week. So I've gained a little bit of weight, but nothing crazy. And like, obviously it's COVID, there's no races, so it's not a bad thing. Um, but look, I just see it as like, obviously I would love to medal, but like, maybe I, maybe I personally just don't even think it's possible because... I stand on the start line as, as a guy that's 11 stone. And, you know, without getting into too much detail about the psychology, I look around and, like, I'm sure you can understand that feeling. I'm just like, what the fuck? I look more like the team manager than I do, you know, this five foot six. Um, now, obviously, Galen Rupp won a medal at the Olympics, and he was like six foot 
I think he's six foot, but he weighs like 130 pounds. So he's still like 20 pounds lighter than what I would be. So like, you know, talk about like NOP and, and forcefully making people lose weight and, and putting big pressures. Like, unfortunately, as part of the sport, there's there's ways to go about it. But at the end of the day, if you're in the business of trying to go to the Olympics for your country and run the best you can possibly run, you know, maybe it's a responsibility. So I think it's worth an effort when there's no races and, you know, there, there's no real, you know, concern if you get a wee bit tired in training and, and you notice that, you know, things don't go as well as you'd like. At the end of the day, we're talking medals. We're talking, you know, professional sport here. It's not, I'm not necessarily suggesting it's something that people should do. Um, it's just something that I've decided to try. Um, and so I'm going to go on, but I need to eat my lunch and then I'll come back to the podcast. Okay. Lunch is finished. <clears throat> As you thought of something, I, it's like a challenge. If any of my listeners can find a medalist at like world European champs, um, Olympic games in, um, I'm going to say any event from, I would even probably allow the 1500 meters. Um, but no, I'm not a 1500 meter runner. Let's say from 10 K up, if you can find an Olympic medalist that probably was not under 10 stone, that's 140 pounds. Um, I'd be very, very impressed. Yeah. So the reason running why weight becomes such a, I guess, like a hard area to talk about. And if anybody ever messages me on Instagram and says, hey, like what diet do you follow? Or hey, I very rarely, rarely ever respond um, because I'm not an expert and I don't want to encourage people to you know, try to lose weight or, or anything like that. But at the same time, if you went to a boxing club and, you know, you were you were being trained and, and the coach said, hey, like, look, you know, you're not strong enough. You're not, your punch isn't powerful enough in the, in the weight division that you're currently in. So what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to, you know, get you to get you to lose weight and we'll see how it goes. It may work, it may not. If you could still fight well at a weight five kilograms lighter, you could probably be a world champion. Um, and why that's allowed in boxing, but yet it's so frowned upon in running, you know, will forever blow my mind. Um, basically, um, unless unless somebody can surprise me and tell me that somebody that weighed over 10 stone and understand that I'm not 10 stone, understand that I'm 11, so I'm 152 pounds, which is like two pounds shy of 11 stone. Um, if you can find, if you can find someone over 11, oh, I, I just don't think it exists. <coughs> and that means if it doesn't exist, you are essentially assuming that you are an anomaly. You know, you are going to be the first person ever in the world to medal at a World Global Championships. Um, 
probably over a stone heavier than anybody before you. I think it's actually more than a stone. I don't think you'll find an Olympic or world medalist um, or even a European. You might find a European medalist um, in the last eight years. Um, I think I can think of Andy Vernon, for example, already. So, But I don't know if that's in the last eight years. But I know that Andy Vernon would have weighed about, I think he was like 68 kilograms to 70 when he went to the Barcelona European Champs and, and you know, won a medal in two events. But Vernon is an anomaly, you know, he, he really is. He was, he was a, I think he was compared as a, an ultimate fighter more than he looked like a runner. Um, so, look, I just think it's a professional thing. Uh, I think it's going to be the hardest thing that, you know, I, I do believe it's the toughest thing that you can possibly work on is discipline in your diet because it's so easy to, you know, eat crap and drink crap. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying crap. It's not crap. It's just most foods that are high calorie are fucking delicious. Like, I love soda bread and loads of butter and egg and sausage and bacon. It is a fucking, I am, I'm having a really great time if all those are on my plate. Um, so for me personally, it, it'll be tough. Um, but, you know, I, I look at my, my body composition and I see, you know, like a, mus- a much more muscular upper body than, um, you know, some of the people I'm racing against. And I, I do believe my legs are lean and, and ripped and, and things like that, you know, but I just look probably from like torso up, arms, back muscles, shoulder muscles, pecs, things, biceps, things that I don't have fucking big biceps, but they exist compared with, um, you know, in, you know, in, in the marathon or, or even 10K half marathon, you're, you're certainly racing against guys that do not have biceps, lat shoulders. And here's the thing. I already think I'm really good without trying to be cocky or anything like that. So I only think it can make me, I, I need to make a jump from being like, like really good to like, fucking brilliant and like I think of someone like Callum Hawkins and I think he is fucking brilliant Um, I mean like you know brilliant can run 60 minutes for a half marathon he should break 60 I hope he does he's close <laughs> Um, you know I look at someone like him and I just think world beater and I mean if that's not the goal it, you know the training is easy for me I love the training it's something I really enjoy Um, I, I you know I was munching on my Haribo the other day and um I that my fridge of Haribo's gone for anyone that wants an update and that was a big old drawer of Haribo. Um and I just thought to myself, you know, this is too easy. It's got too easy again. Um and, and being a really great athlete or a really you know, when you watch the Michael Jordan documentary and things like that, like to be one of the greatest, it, it's not supposed to be really easy. So yeah, you know, so that that's the, that's the idea. Um, I, I'm gonna give it a go. Like it's something I've never really prioritized for a long period of time before. Um, you know, and, and hypothetically, then before I start my next marathon, um, instead of being 70 kilos, you know, I might be like 65. Maybe we'll see. Um, so you know, so this idea, I I I had tweeted about um doing like a charity kind of run or you know, hitting a couple of the peaks in the mountains in Belfast. Um, 
And I gotta say, it got shut down pretty quickly by, I guess, the support team around me. Um, like anybody that <laughs> cares about Stephen going to the Tokyo Marathon or, you know, Stephen breaking 210 for a marathon, like, shut the idea down pretty fast. Um, and, and, you know, I, I kind of, I, I was frustrated, but at the same time, like, of course, I see, like, sense. I, I'm obviously, I, I've got, I, obviously, I really wanted to do something nice for charity. I, I think I, I've never really done anything like that, and I thought it would be amazing if I could raise some funds or whatever. Funny enough, I actually have a thought on this, and if you've ever seen the movie A Night's Tale, um, there's this really, like, hot, like, I think she's, like, the queen, or she's, like, a princess or something like this, and she's absolutely gorgeous. Um, anyway, this is a night's deal, and everyone that comes up to her that's fighting, like, they, they ride horses, and they knock each other off the horse, um, and anyone that's fighting is always like, hey, like, princess, like, I will win this fight for you, and this princess is kind of like, eh, but you kind of wanted to win it anyway, so you're not really doing it for me, you're kind of doing it for yourself, and I kind of get that, so I kind of think for charity... <laughs> you should probably be doing something that you don't want to do rather than, like, thinking, like, hey, I'm going to do my week's training and I'm going to donate the proceeds to charity. Thanks for getting behind me. You're kind of using the charity to do something that you really wanted to do rather than doing something that you don't want to do. Like, I could be like, hey, for charity, I'm going to, like, I'm going to, like, not train for a week. Then I'd be like, fucking hell, like, I don't know if I want to do that. But for charity, you'll do it. So, like, that's my thought process on this. But anyway, I was going to do, like, some mountain races or, or runs. Um, but then I'm just too competitive. So, like, you know, when people were messaging me or giving me a hard time on Twitter, like, joking around, like, I genuinely do then start thinking that I should go and break records because, like, as if I'll show you. But, like, I'll show you only works if you get through it without any problems. One of the things me and the sports psychologist will often talk about is, you know, you visualize a situation in a positive light. So I visualize myself going to the Mourn Mountains, sprinting over these Mourn Mountains, running the fastest time that's never been ran before, driving home, uploading it on Strava and tweeting it to the world. Whereas what you don't visualize is on one of the descents, you rolling your ankle, tearing every ligament in your ankle, and not running for six months. These are the, that's the kind of shit. I don't think like that personally. I never have. But does does running over mountains, up and down, tough trails, bad footing, does it increase injury risk? Absolutely. Maybe not for the guys that train on the mountains. Then they're used to it. It's like it's like what do you call them that climb the side of El Capitan, um, I need to remember, Alex Honnold, if I didn't remember his name, I'd have been disappointed, because this guy's a legend, um, you know, the risk for him climbing the side of El Capitan, because how skillful he is, was quite low, it's still high risk, because you can still fall and die, weather, wind, blah, 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 but for someone that's trained for that their whole life, the risk goes down substantially. Someone like me, massively high risk. So for for the guy that holds the record on this loop, the risk of him going and doing it on a Saturday morning is probably quite low. Where I guess the risk for me is probably quite high. 
what do I have to lose? Tokyo Olympics. So these are things that you have to weigh up. So I guess I have to not be destructive. I guess I have to, that's the whole purpose of having a support team um, is so that they can, you know, if you do get bored during coronavirus and, and you do just feel like doing something destructive, you know, they need to, if, if I broke the record or even got close, bear in mind, I don't have a fucking clue how difficult that would be. I'm just spitting that out there. Um, I would try. I can tell you that. I would, I would really fucking try. And I would plan and I would do all these things and I would have the splits of the guy that did it before me and I would try to hit checkpoints. But um, the reward would be very slim compared to the risk of losing the likes of the Olympics. Um, and I think that's very, very important to understand. So, yeah, that, that idea kind of got shut down pretty quick. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to consider doing something. Um, maybe maybe a week off is the best thing I could do for charity because um, I don't fucking want to do it. So isn't that the, the best thing ever, you know, doing something that you don't want to do? <clears throat> Even taking a week off the bike would be very hurtful for me now. I'd, I'd really miss that too. Um, but look, lots going on here in this podcast. I, it's very, you know, I, I'm just getting to a point of my career where it's harder to make jumps. And, you know, I, I just remember the last time in Doha, like, look, think about something like Doha, where, like, you know, I was 11 stone at Doha, racing against a field of guys. If you go, if you can find on the BBC iPlayer, and if it shows you when it gets to me, I'm taller than these guys, I'm bigger, I'm wider, I'm, like, you know, there's more muscle, but it probably isn't surprising then when the gun goes, you're not, you're not able to keep up, and it would be like, Anthony Joshua fighting against like a, a lightweight, the gun would go or the, the, you know, round one and he'd hit the guy right hook and fucking knock him out on the spot. Um, <clears throat> so look, this is something that I think is important for me to try. Um, do I believe it can turn, if you, if you look at any athlete that's meddling that isn't an African, so like Matt Centrowitz comes to mind, um, Callum Hawkins got so close, like fourth at the World Champs. These guys are, you know, skin and bones. They're they're definitely guys that are probably hovering around nine to nine and a half stone. Um, you know, it it's it's difficult to be competitive. It, you have to assume that you're far more talented than they are, and that word talent is so destructive. But of course, these guys are phenomenally talented or else they wouldn't be coming fourth or, or meddling at an Olympics or a world champ. So, you know, what makes you think from a professional standpoint? I, I had this sort of, you can say what you want about NOP and drugs and, and, and controversy over weight and stuff like that, but you almost have to think, if you were going to sit down with a coach like Salazar, what's he going to tell you that you need to work on? And for me, he's going to say, you need, you need to bring your speed back because you're fast. But he would probably say you need to lose. I don't know what the fuck he would say. He would probably say, if you want a medal at a global championship, he would probably pull out that stat that says the top 100 times in the world, 124 pounds, 5 foot 6. And he's probably going to go, you need to get faster and do a 1500. <laughs> Maybe I'll fucking do. And then I'm going to say I can't. And then he's going to say, well, then you need to lose about two stone. <laughs> 
and I'm going to probably leave his office, like, getting on Twitter and saying, what a fucker. <laughs> no, that's not true. But seriously, like, you know, sometimes it's just a professional responsibility. Yeah. And I guess it's something I've ignored for a long time because it's too tough. It's too difficult. Like, actually, what brought me on to this was listening to Grant Thomas's podcast or Audible. And you guys can have a listen to it. But, you know, he, he talks about how tough the riders find it to get to race with. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, I've never struggled. I just had four slices of bacon with my poached eggs and toast. So the reason I don't struggle getting to race with is because I probably don't try as hard as I possibly could. And, you know, he talks about going to bed hungry and, and things like this. And um, I guess that's what it takes to, you know, win the yellow jersey. Most 75 to 90% of my listeners are going to think drugs when I say that. What does it take to get the yellow jersey? But how dare us sit here and, and you know, assume drugs after eating four slices of bacon and not even trying, you know? How dare we be judgmental like that when we've never gone to bed hungry like they do, when we've never ridden on a bike five to six hours a day? And I think that's one of the issues with society. We, we're very quick to assume and very quick to judge um. But we're not even fucking trying ourselves. So if I've never tried to get to like 65 kilograms, for example, and like I've never gone to bed hungry and I do have a drawer full of Haribo in my fridge and a fucking box of roses sitting next to it. If you're not trying and really trying, well, then you cannot judge, cannot sit there and say this person's doing X, Y or Z and you know, I, I got really frustrated after Doha because I, I it was really tough for me and um, I, I, I took a massive ego hit and, and that was really upsetting and, you know, it was it was tough enough racing a field of lime green and pink shoes, I thought, it, I thought that was frustrating, but, you know, the fact that I stood on a start line and just didn't think that I belonged because, like, height and weight, that was also very tough. I, I felt the same when I went to World Half. I was kind of looking around, and I'm not kidding. I, I looked a lot closer to the team management than I did to the athletes racing. Um, I'm sorry this sounds like depressing or anything like that. Like I've done a phenomenal job of getting, you know, to a really high standard, but it it has been a constant battle since rugby, trying to to cut, and I feel like I did such a good job for a year or two. And I brought the weight down, and I brought the weight down, and I brought the weight down. But it kind of feels like I've just, that I just gave up on that. And I just decided that, you know, like I did prioritize health. I did prioritize training. I prioritized fueling training. But now I'm going to be very like, this is a weird statement, but I'm going to say, what's the point in all that health and all that training if you never really stood a chance of meddling anyway? And remember the key word in that sentence which is metal um you know i'm not if i can get to 211 like you know weighing in at 11 stone it should give every single one of my listeners hope um but i'm not talking about like 211 i'm talking about the frightening fact that to win a medal you probably have to be a 2-5 athlete now or even faster or at least tactically very smart or something like that so yeah, like, we'll see. A week could go by, and I could go to the shop and buy a lot of Haribo again, but, but I really hope not. I really hope I try. Um, 
give this a go and and see if there there is improvement uh, because it is getting really tough to find improvements now and and you know that's maybe why you're being a bit not not that okay that's probably why I'll say it probably why I'm being a bit reckless on the bike smashing out a session in the morning and then smashing out a bike session that night doing a hard running session Friday, doing a bike race Saturday, doing a hard run plus hill reps on a Sunday, doing a bike race Sunday night. That's really silly. It's it's fantastic that my body's dealt with it, but it's also very silly. So maybe I'm like, maybe I'm looking for ways to improve when, you know, the actual way to improve is a lot more simple on paper, but really, really tough. Um, so yeah, sorry if this podcast upsets you. I know we it is quite sort of like it's a tough thing to talk about. It's a far tougher thing to fucking do. See when I look at my plate later on tonight and there's decent amount of rice, some I think I have pork fillet tonight, some pork fillet and like a couple of asparagus. It's gonna be very, very upsetting. I might have to buy a grill, because at least if you like grill the meat and grill the veg, it's really, really tasty. That's how I, I lose weight in Flagstaff because I love using the grill and it's so easy to just like grill a big bit of salmon and grill asparagus with lemon juice and seasoning. It's fucking delicious. Um, but carbs are also delicious. Chip shops are delicious. Indians, Chinese, Haribo, chocolate. Mm, love it all. But, you know, this is this is the next push for me. So, all right, guys, you all take care. Um, if I fade away... And at 65 kilograms, I can't break five-minute miles, then, you know, long live the Haribo. (laughs) All right, take care. Bye-bye.